16, we were looking last time at verses 13 and 14, how three unclean spirits like frogs came out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And uh, they're the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. And what I want to do tonight is I, I kind of want to finish up some of the verses that I've been showing you. We've been talking about unclean spirits and the different kind of spirits that are in the world. There's a spirit in man. We looked at the reference on that. There's a spirit of a beast and uh, we discussed that. And then there's unclean spirits. And then there's the Holy Spirit. So you have four different kind of spirits um, to kind of simplify it and make it kind of broad. There's four different kind of spirits. As you know, uh, when you talk about the spirit of a beast, different beasts have a different spirit, right? I mean, that's, a, that's an animal spirit, but the instinct in a bird makes it understand what it means to be a bird and to do bird things. And the instincts in dogs make them do dog things. And the instinct in cats make them do cat things. And we understand that that spirit is life from the Lord. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. I think it's important because in the day and age that you and I live in, I believe for sure we're getting very close to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think he's going to come soon. And uh, I saw some pretty interesting things recently I might share with you. I'm, I'm not sure. I've got to look at it a little bit more. But I think, I think the longest we have based on... One particular passage, I'll bet you you could find a bunch of different passages to say different things, because I think that's how God has it set up, that no matter what He does, He'll be right. But I saw one particular passage this week, and Dr. Ruckman's notes on it were interesting. He said, if you define a generation as 20 years, that would have happened by date past. If you define a generation as 70 years, because the Bible defines it both ways, that would be a date already past. If you define a generation as 100 years, you're looking at 1948 at the latest, which I doubt it's going to be that long. But I'm just saying, think about that for a second. If we're getting real close to the tribulation period, you realize hell's going to break loose on earth, right? Demonic spirits are coming up out of the pit. Did I say 1948? Yeah. Thank you. I meant 2048. Also, when I announced last week an engagement... That engagement was not Sophia. I repeat, not Sophia. <laughs> that was Alexia and Riley. I repeat, Alexia and Riley. <laughs> Luke's problem. <laughs> okay? I, Luke and Bree, I get that, but it's your daughter and you're the dad thing. You understand what I'm saying? So this is like my problem that... If it's Sophia, it's my problem. The mamas don't look at the boys the way we look at them, brother. Yeah. Be nice. He's a nice boy. She could do worse. Stupid stuff like that. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. I'm just kidding. I'm playing. I'm playing. Sorry, honey. <laughs> okay, so I say things that I don't mean and I miscommunicate. I did not mean 1948. I meant 2048. Um, and I did not mean because, listen, a couple of people were like, no. You wouldn't let Sophia get engaged. Like, no, you're absolutely right. Where did you get something that crazy? And so I, I figure if that many people were confused, it was my miscommunication. So um, I'm sorry. Please tell Alexia that if I stole her thunder, I did not mean to. So hopefully people got that point and congratulated Alexia and Riley. 
All right, back on point here. I saw the look on some of your faces, so I knew I messed something up. So as you're getting closer to the tribulation, oh, you're over there. I thought you were in the nursery. Hi. <laughs> this is getting bad tonight. <laughs> Not finishing out the year very strong. This is your fault, Grandma Ferguson. <laughs> Go get him, tiger. I'm like a kitty cat. Meow. <laughs> All right. As you get as you get closer to the tribulation period, obviously there's a major ramp up in demonic activity going on in the world. I find it also interesting that when Jesus Christ was here, there was a huge ramp up of demonic activity going on. I mean, everywhere you went, there was demon possessed people, and you got to wonder, right? If I heard one preacher say this, and I'm not saying this authoritatively, I thought it was a good thought. I wonder if to some extent God levels the playing field. So what I mean is this. You see the real effects of demonic spirits and devils, but you are also seeing at the time of Christ the miracles he was working. So it's kind of a balanced playing field. Right now, you don't see the Holy Spirit of God. You can see the effects of what He does. You can see His influence. You can see how He changes. You can see the fruits of His Spirit. You know how He works because you're Bible-believing Christians and He's in you. So you can see the effects of it. But you can't see it like when you saw Jesus Christ rebuking devils and devils coming out of Him and going into the swine. As you get into the tribulation period, they're seeing angels fly in heaven. They're seeing Moses and Elijah get killed and come back to life. They're seeing miraculous things happening. And they're also seeing demonic activity happening. So I'm not saying necessarily that the demonic activity now is any less. I'm not sure that I would say that. I'm just saying I think God levels the playing field. And I think it's subtle. What you know is going on is that there's unclean spirits in the world. And those unclean spirits, in my opinion, are spreading and getting more and more powerful. Uh, Like I mentioned to you, I think Wednesday night, there's a huge surge among females of getting more and more into the occult. Crystals and tarot cards and things like that. And and it's it's a movement. And they're into what it is. It's witchcraft. And it's spreading, not just in this country, but around the world. And you see more and more, I mean, less and less Christians, more and more of a falling away from Jesus Christ, and more and more of a turning to these demonic and devilish things. It's unclean spirits. When you have this proliferation of immorality, complete dropping of any and all standards of morality, uh, the things that are being taught and even practiced, the brainwashing that they're trying to do of our children very early on, and the fact that marriage no longer is holy, it's no longer private. It's just considered a whatever kind of thing. Uh, what that is is an unclean spirit. What's on the internet, 90% of the stuff that's out there is uncleanness. And it's a scary thing to me that we're talking about unclean spirits. I think a Christian ought to be careful about that. And you ought to know what the Bible has to say about those things. I find it very interesting that in verse number 13 in Revelation 16, those unclean spirits are like frogs. We pointed that out last time and commented on them. And what do they come out of? They come out of the mouth of the dragon, the mouth of the beast, and the mouth of the false prophet. Isn't that interesting? You know what you're told not to do? You're told not to be contentious. You're told not to dote about questions and strifes of words, right? You're told not to be a railer. 
Now, why am I saying that? Well, do you know what every talk show host knows if they want to go viral, if they want to get uh, uh, subscribers, they want to get listeners? You know what Fox News and CNN News and all the rest of them know? They know that in order to get people interested in watching and listening, they've got to have railing. They've got to have contention. They've got to have debate. They've got to have argumentation. And if there's argumentation, contention, debate, back and forth, insulting, and all the rest of that stuff, people will tune in. You know what's happening to you Christians? Even you Christians, you're getting inundated with unclean spirits. It doesn't have to be sexual all the time. It could just be that unclean nature of that bitter spirit of going back and forth, and it's coming out of the mouth. We saw last time in the book of James about how the tongue is a world of evil and it's set on fire of hell. I pointed out to you that Peter's walking with Jesus Christ and thinking he's saying something good, and Jesus turns around and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. In other words, literally, Peter's tongue was being inspired by the devil while he was walking with Jesus and thinking he was saying something good to the Lord. Ain't that a scary thought? And we are talking about how we need to be careful about our tongues because the devil will use your tongue. It's a world of iniquity. You can use it to cut people down. Listen, I'm not hypersensitive. Do you understand that? I'm not a hypersensitive person. I'm sensitive, more sensitive than you think I am. But I'm not hypersensitive. I don't believe in being hypersensitive. But I also don't think there's anything to brag about if you're mean to people with your mouth. If you make jokes to people about stuff they can't fix. You know what's funny to me? If a guy's too tall, he feels bad about being too tall. Did you know that? They walk in the room and feel self-conscious because they're so much taller than everybody else. And if a guy's too short, he feels bad about being too short. <laughs> I don't think you should make fun of people for stuff they can't control. I don't think it does you any good or the Lord any good or that other person any good to break people down. Why are you so insecure that all your jokes have to be put down to other people? You're showing that you don't have any self-confidence yourself, so you're trying to draw attention to everybody else's flaws. That's actually probably demonic. Why can't you say something good? I realize that we've got to tell our kids the truth and it's all right to break them down when they're wrong. I realize that. But make sure that you're balancing that with telling them when they do something right. I'm talking about using your tongue and that the devil can get in it. I want to look at these things about these spirits because unclean spirits have a pretty high influence in the world. And I wanted to run some of the references with you I didn't get to last time. So let's go back to 1 Samuel. I want you to see these unclean spirits. Look at 1 Samuel 16. Unclean spirits exist and they actually have a different level of influence or different degrees of control over different people. And specifically and especially, I believe, lost people. Uh, they got the spirit of life. They got a human spirit that's dead. And unclean spirits want to be in flesh. So why would we not think that they're not being flooded with it? If God's given you his words to get in your eyeballs to help you, number one, get saved. If you've never been saved, that's first. You've got to be born again. God's spirit comes in and takes up residence. And then he speaks to you, develops you, comforts you, strengthens you, and all the rest of that through the words of God. Don't you think the words of this world, of whom Satan is the God thereof, is feeding something wrong inside of people? I'm not stretching it to say that. I'm not out in left field to say that very likely all the stuff going on on Facebook and Instagram and 90% of the Googling that you're going to do and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, I, I'm not so stupid as to say there's not just natural stuff. I get that. Some stuff's just natural. You understand what I'm saying? 
it's kind of benign either way. I'm not saying there's not a neutral zone. What I'm trying to do is draw your attention to the fact that you've got to be very careful to what you tune into and be very, very judgmental of it to make sure you're getting the right stuff in and it's not an unclean spirit speaking to you. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, look at verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. This is usually a passage of Scripture I'll get questions about. Well, the Bible says God can't be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, right? Why would it say an evil spirit from the Lord? Well, because the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. What that's telling you is that when the Spirit of God was there, he was safe. You know what you're commanded to be? Filled with the Spirit. Remember the passage I showed you last time when an unclean spirit leaves and comes back and finds it empty? He brings seven more wicked than himself and takes up residence. That's why it's a dangerous thing for a saved person to get backslid on God and to resist the Holy Spirit of God. It's a very dangerous thing for you not to be filled with God's Spirit. Because when that empty place shows up, that void thing shows up, the devil come move back in and make you worse than you were before you got saved. How scary is that? I know the Spirit of God doesn't depart from you for good like this, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, Give them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of Christ Jesus. It's the same concept as this. So God said, Fine, Saul, I'll back off. And those evil spirits were waiting to move in. And in that sense, it's from the Lord, because he backed off and let them have Adam, just like he did with Job. Has thou seen my servant Job? Wasn't the Lord doing it? He said, yeah, I know, why, I know why he's doing good. And then the contest began between God and Job. God said, okay, I'll allow it. Okay, I'll allow it. Okay, I'll allow it. Understanding this, and I wanted to make sure that I made the point last week, your protection, your safety is not in you getting paranoid about, am I possessed, am I not possessed? Oh, no, I wonder if I'm possessed. And getting all wound up and paranoid about demonic spirits. Your safety is in the spirit of God, Christian. That's why he tells you to be filled with the spirit. Look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19. 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 9. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. And David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence and he smote the javelin into the wall, and then David fled and escaped that night. Notice the different levels of control. An evil spirit from the Lord comes and troubles him. And then that evil spirit begins to take over, and as that evil spirit takes over, that man's looking at a perfectly innocent man who's filled with God and right with God, doing exactly what God wants him to do. A man who's been loyal to him, faithful to him, fought his battles and everything else. And once the devil gets in his head, he starts seeing that man as a threat. David did nothing to deserve that. And he goes so far as he eventually he's trying to kill him. He's trying to kill one of his loyal men who would never harm him. Who's walking with God. Who's fighting his battles because he rebelled against God and did not obey the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. He was, he was, he was stubborn and rebellious. Stubbornness is on the sin of iniquity and idolatry. 
He was stubborn and rebellious against God because he just overstepped a little bit. I showed you that already. And as he resisted the Holy Spirit of God, the devil moves in. And as the devil moves in, those unclean spirits move in. He starts attacking people he ought to be providing for. He starts attacking people God would have used him to train. He starts attacking people that aren't a threat to him because he's jealous of their success. He's jealous of the blessing of God on his life. And he's overrun and controlled by a demonic spirit looking to destroy somebody. You need to keep that in mind when you're serving God and somebody just comes out to get you. Rather than getting bitter against God and rebellious against God like the devil wants you to, when somebody comes after you in church, maybe you need to consider that ain't God at all. That's a devil. That's an unclean spirit. All right, look at another one. I want you to go with me to uh, 1 Timothy, if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 4, still talking about unclean spirits, the different kind of spirits that are in the world. As you move into the New Testament, past these, these Old Testament passages, uh, there were some in Acts I could show you, but I'm not going to now. Acts chapter 8 and whatnot. There's unclean spirits coming out of them. They're inside of them. You move past that into the New Testament, and you watch how these unclean spirits are working. And this is why I preach the way I preach. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times you're in them, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to what? And doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats. Anybody know any religions that forbid their religious leaders to marry? And command people to abstain from meats at certain times? which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Ain't you glad for that? Yeah. If you want to eat meat, I'm not telling you you have to. I don't care what you do. If you want to eat meat, according to the Bible, you're okay to eat meat. Thank God for it and enjoy it. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. You know what he's saying? In the latter times, seducing spirits show up and begin to try to woo people away from the faith. And they'll give doctrines, they'll give teachings, but those teachings are of devils. A demonic spirit getting in your head. A seducing spirit showing up. You ain't never seen anything so seducing. Now, now forgive me for a minute. I, I've mentioned this a few times here recently, but there's reason for it. You've got to understand, sometimes there's a little more reason for things than what it might appear. You ever seen a more seducing spirit than the spirit of philosophy that tries to rule out God? Let me get you one a little bit more dangerous. How about a conservative philosopher who's staunchly conservative and staunchly agrees with all the really good and high, strong morality things and the effect of the Bible, the goodness of the Bible, and the profound effects that religion and the Bible have had on history. And as you study the cultures that were more influenced by the Bible and the more Judeo-Christian cultures, you see the profound effect on the human psychology and the stronger marriages. I even believe in Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. 
Sounds good, right? Hey, you know what seducing spirits do? They sound good. You know what doctrines of devils do? They teach you well. They come so close to the truth, it sounds like the truth. But most all of you probably know who I'm talking about, and I'm not going to say his name. If you don't, don't worry about it. But there's a real problem with a man that's not born again trying to counsel Christian people about their marriage and then turning around on the flip side of that thing and saying if they have this kind of a characteristic and this kind of a characteristic and this kind of a characteristic and this kind of a characteristic, they're never going to change. So you're stuck and trapped in an unhealthy relationship and then sounding all profound and spelling that thing all out and making it like, you know what he's telling you? He's telling you, hey, listen, I agree. I believe like you believe. I'm good. I'm good. I understand it all. And you need to get out of that relationship. That's exactly against what the Bible says. So now you got all these people, oh, God wouldn't want me to live in an abusive relationship because it's abuse. I'm being abused. I'm verbally abused. I'm emotionally abused. I'm mentally abused. <laughs> I said it before, I'll say it again. You and everybody else on the planet, get over it. This, this abuse term has become so vague and so broad, it makes me want to puke. My husband verbally abuses me. You verbally abuse him too, I guarantee it. <laughs> He emotionally abuses me. You emotionally abuse him too, I guarantee it. Kids, my mom and dad verbally abuse me. Yeah, well, you verbally abuse them too, you little brat, so get over it. Don't you understand that there's a spirit of God in saved people? And that although they may have certain characteristics that aren't perfect and that cause damage in relationships, have you ever stopped to ask God what he thinks about it and read your Bible and find out what God says about it and got on your knees and prayed for that person? Have you fasted for them? Have you fasted for them? Have you fasted on your face, pushed away from the cotton-picking table, or do you love your belly so much and your taste buds so much and your poor little hurt feelings so much you can't push away from the table and fast and pray for that person? Instead, you're going to listen to this jack-legged psychologist who doesn't know anything about the Spirit of God, claiming, I used to not believe, but now I believe. And all the Christians are, <laughs> where have your preachers been? Where, what kind of Bible have you been reading that you're going to fall for that that fast? It's a seducing spirit, and it's doctrines of devils that'll say Jesus existed, but won't say he is my Lord and my God. He's my Savior. Without Jesus Christ, you're all going to split hell wide open so your little psyches don't matter because your soul's going to land in hell if you don't get saved. That's what, that's what the Spirit of God will tell you. But these seducing spirits will get real close and they'll talk about Jesus and they believe in Jesus and God and the Bible and all the rest of this stuff, but they won't get right down to brass tacks with you and then they draw you away from the truth. And they wreck homes, they wreck marriages, they destroy children, they destroy churches. You know a lot of preachers are listening to this stuff and watching this stuff and getting, well, you just listen to them preach if you know anything at all about the Bible or anything all about what's going on in this society, you hear it coming out and they're preaching. Using psychology on your people. You little punk. You little jerk. Amen. You little jerk. Why don't you go enroll in school and put the time in and spend the money if you want to be a psychologist. Then get hang up your shingle and have people come and pay and pay you to, to psychoanalyze them for an hour. You're not, I'm not called to study psychology. I'm called to study the Bible. 
I got a good clean spirit here. It's called the Spirit of God. I got a good clean spirit here. I can get in this thing and study it. And you know what he does? He reads every one of your mail. <laughs> he follows you around. He watches you in your house. He watches you behind closed doors. He sees everything you do, everything you look at, everything you think about. Stuff that doesn't even come out of your mouth, he knows. And then I get up here, this little, just dumb little innocent preacher boy, you know, just up here just studying my Bible and praying and getting another message together. And then I'm preaching, and I'm all up in your personal business so much it shows on your face half the time. Yeah. And I got no idea what's going on, but I look at you and make eye contact, and you think I know. I got something a whole lot bigger, a whole lot better, and a whole lot better than some psychoanalyzation for you. I got the Word of God. And it's a clean spirit. It's not going to seduce you. The thing is, people don't like that. You know why? Because they got dirty spirits in them. And they'd rather sit there with another dirty spirit that sounds clean and get psychoanalyzed. Now, I'm not trying to tell you, you there's no place ever for it. I'm just saying it's a whole lot rarer than how it's used. And I'm against it in the pulpit. So seducing spirits, they're in this world, but that's not all. Go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 20. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20. Well, look at verse 18. Let's get a running start at it. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. What a blessing, man. Which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. <coughs> These guys at one point were with him, were a part of the thing, and he's charging Timothy. He's saying, listen, buddy, they might have they walked away, but don't you. They made shipwreck concerning faith, don't you. Hold on to that faith and hold on to a good conscience and listen to me, be careful because I'll deliver you to Satan just like I delivered them to Satan. Talking about a saved man. Now that's a scary thought because there's all this semantics going on in church. Can a Christian be possessed or oppressed or what difference does it make if he's giving you over to Satan to get destroyed? You want to be handed over to Satan? God did it. God did it with Saul. God allowed it with Job. That's scary enough to test him. Could you imagine walking away? Could you imagine being that guy in 1 Corinthians that won't get right, that's living in, in, in fornication and adultery and won't get that thing right and being given over to deliver to Satan for the destruction of the flesh? I'm telling you, there's a filthy spirit in this world, there's unclean spirits in this world, and they're growing, and they do try to creep into church. That's why I pray for our protection. I want to show you some more. Uh, look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. For he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. How about that? 
for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Wait a minute. You read Romans chapter 7? We just covered it, so you should be able to pull it up in your mind. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver that which I would not, that do I? In me that is in my flesh doeth no good thing, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. You know what this thing is talking about? It ain't talking about your flesh. His seed is in him. What seed is that? He cannot sin because he is born of God. That's the seed of the Spirit of God. That's the new man. That's the new birth. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth righteousness, doeth not righteousness, is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. You realize, for you and I, it rightly dividing this thing, for you and I, in the inner man, you don't sin. That's the Spirit of God in you. If I then would not that which I do, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So that means that in your flesh you can still sin, but in the Spirit you can't. In the Spirit of God you can't inside of you, the new man. But in your flesh you can. That to me is a scary thought. You mean a Christian can be given over to uncleanness. Why do you think Paul lists in those sins, now you've got to put this off, uncleanness, adultery, fornication, murder. He goes down through all those things and tells saved people to put off the old man. A saved person can live in uncleanness. A saved person can live in submission to unclean spirits and obedience to unclean spirits. A saved person can act on all those sins that are committed in the flesh that a lost man can do, but it's not the saved man, it's not the new man. It's the old man, and you got both. That's a frightening thought to me. Look at uh, Galatians chapter 5. I was just pointing some of this out. Galatians chapter 5. What I'm wanting you to know is if you give yourself to uncleanness, you might wind up full of some stuff you don't want to be full of. I don't care if you're saved. I said, I don't care that you're saved. Because of the circumcision made without hands, if you can have the Holy Spirit of God living in you and not leaving you, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, sealed under the day of redemption. The, the, the eternal security of the believer is a Bible doctrine that Paul gives the church. Saul didn't have it in the Old Testament. These people in the tribulation don't have it. You and I have it. So since you're eternally secure, you got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Cut away, he cut your spirit away from your body when you got saved. So a lost man's spirit is still connected to his body. His soul is still connected to his body. So when he touches something unclean, the whole thing is defiled. But a saved man can pick up something unclean like a cigarette, like a joint, like a, like a, like a syringe, like doing a line of coke or shooting up on heroin or anything else a lost man can do. And although it will defile your body, since your soul is cut away from your body, it doesn't defile your soul. That's how the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. But I've showed you that unclean spirits care about the flesh. They go, into, they go into swine. Is that scary? Yeah. I hope it scares you a little bit. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I hope you realize that you could give yourself over to unclean spirits to work uncleanness and all the kind of things lost people do and not realize that you got the wrong stuff setting up shop in your mind because of what you're looking at. 
building strongholds in your mind. That's why, parents, you're not over the top if you're restraining your children and controlling their access to the Internet. And mom and dad, you're not the devil, and you're not so horrible if you're being real careful about what your kids get access to, and if you're holding them back from having a cell phone. Kids, don't you dare come to me and complain about your mom and dad because they won't let me have a cell phone because you know what I'm going to say? Good. And then I'm going to go tell on you so that they can stink and ground you for a month or something for complaining about it behind their back. I support you. What you're trying to do is keep the wrong stuff from setting up shop in your kids' heads. It's unclean spirits. I saw Satan fall like lightning. He's connected to electricity. Come on. It, it, it's, you can't, you've got to admit that there's something weird going on with all this technology stuff. You've got to admit it's going a little bit beyond human advancement. These kids think what they're looking at is real. Now, I'm just going to, this is Mike Reagan speaking. Okay? You ready? This is Mike Reagan. So some of you are going to be like, okay, you lost all credibility. Well, if I lose credibility, then just sorry about that. But this is my opinion. I don't think everything you're looking at on that stuff is even human. How do you know you're not looking at devils taking up human form? I got a lot of reasons for saying that, but I won't get into it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. You know what that is? That's a work of the flesh. Fornication. You know what that is? That's a work of the flesh. I don't care how this world defines it. If you don't have a ring on it and haven't promised till death do us part, it's fornication. Period. End of the story. You understand what I'm saying? You, can't, you cannot give me a biblical workaround, so don't even try. Some of these guys get so biblical, they're idiots. They're biblical midgets. The devil quotes scripture. Notice the next word. Uncleanness. We're talking about unclean spirits. That's what the Bible calls them. Ain't that weird? It's connected to the flesh. What do devils like? They want to be in flesh. Lasciviousness. Idolatry. What's Paul teach us you're praying to when you pray to an idol? You've read it. We've gone through it verse by verse. What are you praying to? You kidding me? It's an aid to worship. They're kneeling down and praying to an idol and Paul said they're praying to devils. What, is, what does the Antichrist do with the image in the, in the tribulation period? Ain't that weird? Folks, I'm telling you, there's more going on than what meets the eye. They're praying to devils. Oh, it's just a statue. Something jumps inside that thing and loves that worship. We're in Scotland. John Knox, a big statue of John Knox is right here. And who was it on the other side, honey? Plato or something? Socrates or something like that? Some philosopher? Hundreds of people walking across the street, coming across this side, coming down to walk by this statue of some great philosopher, and they rubbed his foot so much, his toe, his big toe on that statue is polished bright. They all rub, walk by it and rub it to give him luck. 
and John Knox is right across the street, the statue of John Knox staring at him, and not one person pays it any attention. Knows who he is. The, the cathedral, the church building that he preached in is right here, which is an apostate mess right now, but the building was right there, and you can go in there and walk through and see the plaques and the story of what God did with him and with his life. Nobody, nobody even in there. They're all walking across the street to walk by the, and to rub his foot for luck. You know what? You know what? We, we had never felt, we had never felt, I mean it, like it was, I mean, I've been to Haiti, and it's bad over there. But the spirit that was over there in Scotland, after the gospel had blown through that place, and seen just, just thousands and thousands and thousands of people saved, after the King James Bible came through England, and the spirit of God blew through that place with the great awakening and all the rest of that stuff, and just thousands and thousands, and they all turned from it, the spirit over there was just, different I would, I would never want to go over there as a saved man I would never want God to call me over there it was just weird it just felt just felt dirty uncleanness and devils get in that stuff then he says witchcraft well isn't it interesting that you're seeing such a rise in witchcraft you got a rise in adultery you got a rise in fornication you got a rise in uncleanness you got a rise in lasciviousness you cannot, you can't go anywhere nowadays and say anything without it being taken unclean. Every word that comes out of people's mouth. You fellas shouldn't be cussers. You're a saved man. I get sometimes you slam your thumb in the door and you know you shouldn't, okay? I'm not beating you up. I'm just saying you shouldn't be a cusser. You're a saved man. And good night, ladies. Christian women... Listen, cussing's wrong, the, the end of the story, male or female. But something about a man using a rough word is like, come on, man, you're a Christian. Something about a woman using a rough word. It just don't, it just don't fit. There's nothing pretty about that. There's nothing feminine about that. You ought to watch your cotton-picking mouth. I am so disgusted by the way the women talk nowadays. You know what it is? It's an unclean spirit. And it's no coincidence to me that there's a rise in witchcraft. It's connected here. Hatred. You got more and more of that. Variance. Always, somebody, it's just always, every time you say something, they want to play devil's advocate. Emulations. Well, you got people emulating all the wrong stuff nowadays. Wrath. More and more of that. Strife. Just turn on the news. Turn on your talk shows. I'm telling you, this stuff's all connected to something that ain't of God. What I'm trying to show you, folks, is that every influence you got coming at you is influencing your flesh, and there's a spirit working, a spirit of disobedience working that goes directly against the spirit of God. That's the point I'm trying to drive home tonight. We'll get to it in just a minute. It goes directly against the spirit of God, and it is everywhere. And it's, trying, it's messing you up. You got uh, seditions. We even saw that in our country. One way or the other. If the liberals are right, then all the conservatives were guilty of sedition. And if the conservatives are right, what was going on behind the scenes with the voting, all the liberals were guilty of sedition. So one way or the other, you got a very seducing, undermining spirit working quietly against to break laws and go against everything else. That, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the spirit that's taken over this country ain't the spirit of God. 
We are in a mess. And it should not be creeping into the church. Everything I've been naming so far ought not be in you. It ought not be in your home. You young people, you get to a certain age, you start, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15. Listen to me. It is not the Spirit of God getting you to push back on your parents all the time. Your parents aren't perfect. You understand me? But they're trying. That's why they got you here tonight. Because they care. And you got good parents that got you here tonight. If they didn't care, you know what they'd be doing with you right now? It's New Year's Eve. You'd be home playing video games, popping all kinds of candy while they're getting drunk or smoking dope, hanging out with a bunch of friends, cussing in the wrong spirit coming out of their mouth, laughing at dirty jokes, watching wicked things on TV. That's what you'd be sitting in right now if your mom and dad didn't care about you. Instead, they got you in church and you get mad because your sinful little flesh thinks it sounds good to be sitting over there playing a video game right now rather than coming to church. You need to be here. We're trying to invest in your future. We want to see you have a happy life with a clean spirit and a clean conscience and a heart full of love and compassion and joy, a tender heart to God and to other people. We want to see you happy. And everything else in this world, they are not happy. That's why they got to go out tonight and get smashed and they got to go out and smoke it up and they got to get it. They got to find some kind of a, a high because they're not strong on their own in their own spirit. You ought to have the spirit of God in you, not unclean spirits coming out of your mouth and entering into your eyeballs and getting into you every which way you turn around. You ought to have the spirit of God running the show in your heart and in your life and directing you. And I am telling you, listen to me, listen to me, I'm telling you the truth. You have not begun to live until the spirit of God's in control. You don't even know what life is. If you're saved, you've never lived. You just, if you're lost, you've never lived. You've only existed. And if you're saved but you have never submitted yourself to the Spirit of God and asked Him to fill you and run the show, then you're miserable. All right, verse 21. Envying, seditions, and heresies. There you go. That's what demonic spirits do. They produce heresy. Envyings. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's what's going on. That's what social media is meant to do. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Revelings is, again, excuse me, but it's your news. It's your talk shows. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. It's politicians on the platform just tearing each other up. Nothing breaks my heart more than to sit there and see that and to listen to those guys just revile each other. And say, man, we are, it's people are all thinking politics. They're all thinking economy. They're all thinking in, uh, inflation and, 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 and interest rates. And I, I don't think that way. I'm a preacher. I'm a Christian. I think God help us when we have to vote for one of these. And our best bet is up there reviling our worst bet. And our worst bet's reviling them back. That ain't the spirit of God. You guys realize what a mess all that stuff is? My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me. I know it's almost 2024, but my hope ain't in Trump. And I'm not starting that stuff in this church, so don't even ask me to preach politics. I'll preach politics for you. Jesus. <laughs> when he rules and reigns, it'll get fixed up. Until then, we are in a mess. 
And what I want to do in that mess is get filled up with the right spirit and make sure the wrong spirits aren't running the show in my life. I know this hasn't really been revelation tonight, but I feel like this is necessary based on Wednesday night, where we're at this morning, and then tonight. I want to finish this thought, and I just got a few more verses to show you, and I'll be done. All right. It says, Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So you understand, because you've been taught this, that's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So you can be saved and have no righteousness, no peace, and no joy in the Holy Ghost. Because you got the wrong spirits in you. The Spirit of God ain't filling you up. And through your eye gate, your ear gate, your mouth gate, your touch gate, and whatever else you've got going on, your thought life, you've let the wrong spirits move into that flesh and set up shop. And the Spirit of God's not the one driving them out. You're letting them run the show, and so you're miserable. Save people. Miserable. But the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Really? Yeah. Goes directly against what the conservative psychologist tells you. You're going to be in a miserable relationship the rest of your life. If that's what you want, to just suffer misery and to constantly the rest of your life be oppressed, then fine, stay with the person. Oh, how about this? How about God, the Holy Ghost, giving me long-suffering so I can be kind of like the old-school people and we can just kind of stay married and die together? Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. Leads me to my last point for tonight. I want you to see the Holy Spirit of God. And here's what I want you to understand. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 6. I want to answer another question that I get commonly. I want you to see something. Now, we believe every word of God is pure, right? I don't believe in changing my King James Bible, do you? I don't even believe in changing the chapter and verse markings. I even believe that the, uh, the cases, lowercase or uppercase, I believe those are right. I even believe the way the books are ordered is inspired of God. I could actually show you that. Why I believe it's actually literally inspired of God the way the book order is laid out. Because the King James Bible is not laid out chronologically. But God laid it out that way to show you a pre-tribulation and a pre-millennial and all the rest of that stuff. It's wild. So the way the book is laid out is perfect. Watch something very interesting. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he, is, he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. You guys see anything interesting about that? You see my spirit? What spirit is that? It's the spirit of God. You guys see it's lowercase in the King James Bible? It's not uppercase. Hmm. Let me show you another one. Go to Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. Look at verse 3. The Lord says, And I have filled him with the 
Spirit of God, in all wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. God actually filled this guy with the Spirit of God to do physical labor in order to work in the temple. Ain't that something? Physical labor. God can fill you with His Spirit to do your secular job. In this case, he was, it was a secular job for building the temple, right? For working in the temple. But look at the Spirit of God. It's a lowercase. You know what you need? You need a scholar to come in here and correct the English for you because then it'll all make more sense. Go to look at, look at chapter 35. Exodus 35, 31. 35, 31. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Lowercase s. That's not all. Look at Numbers 27. And there's more. I'm just showing you about three or four of them here. Numbers 27, verse 18. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the... Lowercase s. Go to Job 27. Job chapter 27, and look at verse uh, 13. No, 3. Job 27, 3. All the while my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This is from God. The Spirit of God is in my nostrils. It's life. You say, why is in every one of these cases in the Old Testament it's lowercase? Go to the book of John. John 14, please. Verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another, see it? That He may abide with you forever. Even the, see the capital? The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot perceive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth in you, and shall be in you. You know why in the Old Testament it's lowercase? Because in the Old Testament it wasn't the active person. It was his influence. The Spirit of God was the way he would work and move and influence, but he had not yet sent the Spirit. <laughs> you have the person of the Spirit of God inside of you. Do you understand that? Do you know how huge that is? He sent the comforter, another comforter. Jesus Christ was a comforter, but he is saying, it's expedient for you that I go away 
So if I don't go, the comforter will not come. And when he comes, he's going to be in you and he's not going to leave you. He's going to stay with you. He's going to indwell you. In the New Testament, it starts becoming used as capital. Look at verse 15 because it's a proper person. I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse 26. Chapter 15, verse number 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye shall also bear witness, because ye have been with uh, me from the beginning. All of a sudden, now in the New Testament, the Spirit of God is capital, because it's actually the person of God's Holy Spirit coming in, in, in reality, not just in an influence, and indwelling you. He begins using him as a capital. That, to me, is a profound thought. Notice what the Spirit of truth does. He proceeds from the Father, and He gets you to speak in tongues. He gets you to heal people, lay hands on them and heal them. He gets you to work miracles. Well, we just read over in Revelation chapter 16 that those unclean spirits come out and begin working miracles. And I showed you that the Antichrist comes with signs and tongues and lying wonders and works miracles. So how do you really know when a miracle is being worked that it's not an unclean spirit? How do you know when somebody's speaking in tongues that that's not an unclean spirit doing it because the Antichrist comes with that same ability? Demonic spirits can counterfeit the gifts. You know what he says the Spirit of God's going to do when the Spirit of God comes? When the Spirit of God comes, he proceeds from the Father and he testifies of Jesus. And then he influences you to be a witness. And ye shall also bear witness. A man that's filled with the Spirit of God, loves Jesus Christ, talks about Jesus Christ, and gets out there tomorrow, oh, hopefully you're off tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and a man filled with the Spirit of God talks about Jesus everywhere he goes, talks about the gospel everywhere he goes, looks for an opportunity everywhere he goes to tell people about Jesus Christ and cares about their soul. A person filled with the Spirit of God focuses on Jesus Christ, not on the gifts. Let me just show you a couple more New Testament passages and we'll stop. Um, you know what, let's stop in this next one. Look at chapter 16, verse 17. 16, 7, excuse me. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. I do want to show you, I do want to close with one last verse. But look at how profound that is. Don't you think that if Jesus Christ showed up and sat in our assembly, don't you think that if, if I, I'm trying to show you the power of this thing, don't you think that if Jesus Christ came, walked in this room, I would sit down. <laughs> I would go right over there and sit down next to Grace. And he would get up here and say some stuff. I thought Dr. Peacock said something really, really profound at the Jubilee. He was talking to the preachers and he's talking about trying to, I think, I think if I'm remembering it right, okay, so don't hold me to it, but I think if I'm remembering it right, he's telling the guys, I'm trying to get as many of you guys in as I can, I'm doing the best I can, but if I don't get to you, please don't be offended, just become ready and I'll let you know and that kind of deal, right? 
And he said this. He said, I don't know that any one message really makes that big of a difference anyways against, unless Jesus Christ himself preached it. Now, that was profound. Because I'd agree with him. I don't know that any one message really makes that big of a difference. That's why I tell you to come back and keep coming and keep coming and keep learning. Because I don't know that any one message any one of us human beings preach really makes that much of a difference. But if Jesus Christ showed up, I would sit down and I'd think we'd be changed for good. You know what Jesus said? It's expedient for you that I go because if I don't go, he won't come. And it's better for you to have the spirit of almighty God living in you than for you to have me walking around with you. Doesn't that go totally counterintuitive to how we would think? But that's what he said. Now watch, go to Ephesians chapter 5 and we are done here, I promise. Ephesians 5.18 And this is what I want to leave you with because people come and say, especially after last time, like, well, preacher, what do I do? You know, if, I, if, if Christians can be possessed, <laughs> what do I do about that? Here's, here's what I tell you I think you should do about it. I think you should get on your knees every single day of your life and ask God to forgive you for your sin and anything that comes to mind, confess it and ask Him to help you with those presumptuous sins and let them not have dominion over you. Cleanse thou me from secret fault and keep faults and keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. So God, if there's stuff in me I don't even realize, you'll forgive me and cleanse me. And God, if there's stuff in my mind and in my heart that shouldn't be there, if there's unclean spirits in me or if I'm the problem, doesn't matter either way, get it all out of me and forgive me and clean me and help me. I think you should daily have a prayer life and daily be confessing. And I don't think you should be running around being paranoid and self-diagnosing. I don't think every time you get mad and put your fist through the wall that you have to be like, oh, that was a devil. And I don't think you should be diagnosing your spouse either. Oh, you're demon-possessed. Dumbest thing you could ever say to somebody. Because you're not a doctor, and some people have serious human issues, hormonal issues, and all kinds of things, and they're not demon-possessed at all. Some people have mental health issues for good reasons, and they do need some uh, another level help, and they're not demon-possessed at all. You don't know that. You aren't God. So when you start throwing that around or saying that kind of stuff to your kids, you lost your mind. You should never put that stuff in. I know parents that ruin their kids saying that stuff to them. Oh, you got tattoos. Since you got tattoos, you got devils in you. You're demon-possessed. Ruin their kids. I think the demon-possessed one's the one's always throwing that term around all the time. It's like the liar thinks everybody's lying, and the cheat thinks everybody's cheating, and the thief thinks everybody's stealing, and the demon-possessed person thinks everybody else is. I don't think you should get obsessed with that stuff. I don't think you should self-diagnose. I don't think you even know half the time anyhow. I don't think most of the lost people out there realize it. I think you should walk with Jesus and love him and get on your knees and pray to him. And then you should obey what he tells you in Ephesians 5.18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. If you fill up with the Spirit of God, you think devils are in control? If you're filled with the Spirit of God, you think frogs are coming out your mouth? I don't. 
Okay, preacher, but how do I know I'm filled with the Spirit? How do I get there? He tells you. Because I just ended the sentence, but if you look back at the Bible, he didn't end the sentence there. Is that a colon, semicolon? Those of you that can see, semicolon? So how do I do it? Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You should have good, clean music going in your car and in your house and in your head. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks. Always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Singing. Having melody in your heart toward God even when you don't feel like it. Start singing. Thank God even when you don't feel like it. Be thankful. Submit to God and submit to the people around you and don't be reviling and fighting and pushing back and stubborn and implacable and unmerciful. Just be kind and gentle towards other people and have a submissive spirit towards God. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now how about that? And no, you don't need to go home and get paranoid. You need to go home and get on your knees. No, you don't need to get obsessed with devils and demonic spirits. They're all over the place and they're getting worse. I'm telling you right now, they're all over the place and they're getting worse. And you know what I'm like? I want to be like, I'm trying to be like, I'm trying to be like a totally innocent little kid that is so clueless, I have no idea because my daddy's got it. And as long as daddy's home, everything's fine. And I believe you can live like that to the rapture if you fill up with the Spirit of God and follow Him and walk with Him and He'll take care of you. And whenever anything starts to get in or jumps in, you get back on your knees again and it gets out. Because at the name of Jesus Christ and at the commandment of Jesus Christ, them things ran. When He said, come out of them. That was all it took. Come out of them. All right, get out. All right, I, he's mine now. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. They're just like... I mean, if they're just popping out just like that, when Jesus says, get out, you don't think you can get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm really sorry, and I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to help me, and I want a bloodbath. I want you to wash me, and I want to walk with you, and I want to fill up with your Holy Spirit, and I'm back in the book, and I'm listening to the right stuff, and thank you for everything you've ever done in my life, and thank you for all my problems, and thank you for saving me, and thank you for loving me, and thank you for sealing me. Thank you for being in me. I love you. I love you. I love you. You think by the time you're done with that, you're still full of the wrong stuff? I don't think so. That's just my opinion, so take it or leave it. I hope that helps you. Next time, we'll try to get back into Revelation, so forgive me for that sidestep, but I, I think it was necessary, and I hope it helps you. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight.